0: Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at StartupCan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local award ceremony at StartupAward.ca.
1: I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world.
2: Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community, a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com, where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'm really excited to uh, to uh, be part of the, the Startup Canada podcast show today, and uh, for there's a couple of reasons. One, I'm in a new studio today, a new studio uh, location at Planet Hatch in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and uh, it's just a magical place because the freaking heat is much much lower in this one. I was kind of in underwear and uh, you know the rock star shirt at the other studio, so I'm real happy I got this new spot. On today's episode, we have an Ojibwe entrepreneur who is giving back to the indigenous communities of Canada with her own line of cosmetics. Jen Harper's Niagara-based makeup company, Cheekbone Beauty, donates 10% of all profits to the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society of Canada. The startup she began in 2016 now ships products across Canada, the US, and Australia. I love exporters. Throughout the development of Cheekbone Beauty beauty, Jennifer overcame personal struggles such as overcoming alcoholism, surviving her brother's suicide and reconciling her identity which shines even brighter light on all that she has achieved. She was asked to sit on the discussion panel for the 2018 Aboriginal Women's Business Entrepreneurship Conference in Saskatoon and she spoke at the Creative Leaders Symposium hosted by the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples in Ottawa. She has shared her story on Niagara's first youth Empowerment Day, Pathstone Mental Health, and has been invited to Cando's Economic Youth Summit in Edmonton. In addition to Cheekbones' mission, Jennifer strives to educate as many Canadians as possible about the residential school system and the effects it has had on her family and her friends through decades of trauma. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss overcoming hardships in the midst of starting up and the realities of linking a business to a cause. Grab your coffee. Let's get at it. Jen Harper, glad, glad to have you on the uh, Startup Canada podcast
1: show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited.
2: So, check us on, uh, you know, the 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 journey that uh, that we're going to talk about, but ultimately what I what I want to know is uh, at the end of our conversation, what are you hoping that our listeners take away from uh, from our chat today?
1: Uh, well, I go into every conversation with this goal is that my job as a brand now as as a person is to enhance and empower the lives of Indigenous youth. So how can the rest of Canada support us in that? Well, that's just actually taking literally a couple seconds, a few minutes and thinking deeply and possibly even going further and educating yourself on what Indigenous people in this country have had to overcome in order to succeed. Um, it is far, far from parity to the rest of, uh, rest of Canadian youth. And I think when people understand that and get a true deep understanding of what, what our people have had to survive, overcome, and still deal with to this very day, like so many issues are far, far from, uh, um, equity in this country. And, uh, If I think if people just walk away from this and think about that, um, and then the next time you're faced with an Indigenous person or a situation that involves Indigenous people, just pause and think about that um, and use this beautiful power of something that we are innately born with, which is empathy. But empathy is like a muscle. It has to be developed and worked on in order for it to be stronger
2: Right on. Well, it's interesting you say that. I, a couple of weeks ago, I was interviewing a group—two uh, people from Quebec and another one from Vancouver—and it was all the conversation was all around those soft skills associated with business and empathy. Mm. Of course, is a key, really key element associated with that. So the timing's excellent to uh, to reference that. And I want—I want to talk about your brand and how you. I mean, I can, I'm almost assured that it, you didn't just wake up one day and say, "This is what I'm going to do." You took some time to really identify the brand DNA. And I want to talk about that because I think it's a it's an element of that a lot of entrepreneurs do not do. They get into the game, they get playing, they say, "Okay, well, this is who I am now." When they really should be something else, so it really identifies themselves internally as well as externally. So, so let's go on the journey of uh, cheekbone beauty. Can you uh, start from okay? This is what I'm going to do, and why?
1: Okay, so I'm going to laugh because when you say people just don't wake up and do that, well, that's literally what
2: happened with. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> I'm on. not Press kidding. the pause, the edit dream. button. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> but a oh, dream that developed, that a plan obviously had to develop and be built and grown after that. But I'll tell you about the dream. It was for years and years. I honestly, um, I literally, I tell people, I ran away from my culture, from my from my indigenous family, my dad, for my most of my life. So it wasn't until my mid thirties that I started to reconnect and wanted to learn more and then discovered just slowly. Like I always knew, like it was such a beautiful culture and, um, the people are beautiful, but I just obviously had personal and and family issues that I was running away from. And I ultimately, um, uh, ran away from the whole culture at the same time. So in rediscovering that, uh, I always knew I wanted to do something for my people, for First Nations, Metis, Inuit people. I knew that there was a struggle. I had no understanding whatsoever, Rivers, about residential school. I had no mm. I had no information about the 60 scoop. I had no information as to why there was these problems and and how come my family was different and treated unfairly. Why was I personally treated different and unfairly growing up now in the Niagara region and understanding and looking back on different situations going, but I was kind of naive and I'm kind of glad I was because that can be painful to right. the child if you actually understood why someone's treating you that way, right? Um, right. So, so sometimes being a little dim worked out for my, my benefit. <laughs> 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 but now, So I discovered this. I knew I wanted to do something. So. Fast forward, it's 2014. I got so sober. That was November. So actually, on uh, the 26, two days ago, I celebrated four years of sobriety. So I'm super proud of that.
2: Uh, congratulations. Can I stop you there for a quick second? And and because I, I think it's important that uh, that we talk a little bit about what was the process you took to begin your recovery? And why I say that it, mental health issues are huge with entrepreneurs, huge, huge, huge. And, and and, and, and it's and it's wide. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, whatever. You just have that. So, how did you begin your journey of one uh, accepting that you had an issue, and maybe some highlights that our guests or sorry, audience would say, you know what, that's really cool. I'm I'm going to now do that because I listened to Jen today.
1: Well, and that's why I used. I would think like ten years ago, there's no way I would possibly ever tell people about my problem right. because I was right. super ashamed of it. Now I realize. When I was trying to get sober or trying to uh, heal, I would listen to other people that were well and be like, Oh my goodness, they can do it. Then I can do it. So now I tell this obviously for those reasons. Um, so it was a long journey. I mean, it was six years of battling. I went into rehab in 2010, uh, and then had relapses after that. And then finally in 2014, it was just, it was just, it was just getting so bad. And I was about to lose everything. Like my, Mm. my, my husband, he was going to take my children, Mm-hmm. um we were even like having domestic situations where police are involved and mm. it was just financially I was making really stupid decisions uh it was like at that brink of losing everything including my children which are wow. obviously super super important to me right of course of course um so and believe it or not, you're at that situation when you, I knew for all those years I wanted to be well, but this is a battle. Like I'm telling you people that, and I know people that have family members that have struggled or struggle themselves understand. Like right now, when I sit here telling you this, I cannot believe I have overcome that. (laughs) It still shocks the crap out of me that I have (laughs) no desire because I would like, I loved alcohol in every shape. And I would be the the alcoholic that for years would be like, okay, it's wine. I'm going to switch to beer. And then yeah. no, I'm going to switch to vodka. Like it would just never work. And it's clearly not my thing. And I should have avoided it for, for so long. Um, but it was such a big part of my life. It was like losing a limb. Sometimes I tell people, like I thought the thought of having to give it up, I'd be like sweating and it would be so emotional. But, but when I finally did. And this is going to maybe go a little spiritual and realize that I had to go outside of myself and believe that something greater than me could help me do this. And that's what's really crazy about being an entrepreneur, because I like to tell this story because that's called faith, right? When you believe Mm -hmm. in something outside of yourself to help you build and do something. And every entrepreneur has to have a a substantial amount of faith to believe that this dream and vision we see in our heads can actually come true because yeah. people think we're nuts. When I actually started telling people, yeah, I'm starting a cosmetics line. You would get the looks like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, just that easy. And we're walking around when you're an entrepreneur, like, yeah, this is like, I told it's all up here. I can see it. How can you not see this? Yeah, right. 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 So, right. So anyway, I, I know that every entrepreneur understands that, that, Amount of faith that you need and coming overcoming any addiction requires that as well. Um, and it's ultimately like I had to get a, a really humble because I, you, I was the type of person, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like this as well that we think we can do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times we can, we're really good at that, but sometimes we do need help. And I know great entrepreneurs, the really successful ones, are all the ones that have asked for help and got help in all those areas that we know we can't do something. Those are the companies that. That we see that have made it to those next levels. Right. So wow. let's look, let's all look at asking for help differently and, and making mistakes differently and everything changes.
2: Wow. Thank you, Jen, for uh, allowing us to go on that journey with you. And you know, what's cool about what you just described was your excitement to tell it and yeah. I, and and that is so cool in itself i have i've been very open about my journey with depression and i'm very proud to be able to to say to folks, yeah, I've battled it hard. I still battle it on the winter time, yeah. But you need to talk about it, and you need to – there's a formula to ultimately help you to do it, get through it, and uh, it's okay because lots of people go through it. So thank you so much for Ooh, uh, for sharing that for with sh-
1: Thank you as well for sharing your – because it's so important. Like these are things that – Remember, like back in my day, we didn't like I'm just talking like I'm super old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 42. It's not
0: that old. You're um, not
1: that old. No, but we would we didn't ten years ago. We didn't talk about stuff like this. No. It's it's now, and for the sake of our children, I'm so grateful that we are.
2: Uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Okay, so you uh, were dealing with those personal struggles yeah. with cheek so, and uh, cheekbone beauty story. So let's okay. keep her going before I interrupt you again.
1: <laughs> okay, so yeah, got sober 2014. Then in January of 2015, it's. Um, 2 a.m., I pop out of bed, and I'm like, shake my husband. I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And he's like, <laughs> rolls over, goes back to sleep. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I grabbed my laptop, and if, I had a dream, and these little Native girls were in it, and they were covered in lip gloss. And I woke up, and I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make lip gloss. I'm going to sell them and create a foundation in my grandmother's name, Emily Paul, who was a residential school survivor. And mm. that was the beginning uh, fast forward through 2015, that entire year was, I call it my. M- business development, market research year, product development. I spent that entire year, eight hours, uh, you know, from like 7pm to 12 to 1am every evening, researching, finding things, doing as much work as possible, using a business advisory board in Toronto to help me with the business. And that's how we found the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society. Because as much as and still the goal for Cheekbone one day to create scholarships in my grandmother's name that will happen. Happen. However, yes. they said in the beginning, and it was great advice because building a foundation is like creating a whole new company. So they're like, you can't create two companies at the same time. Yeah, um, right. Why focus on the cosmetics business and find an organization that you can support with donations. And I, then I was, went home and I was like super frustrated because you worry, like, this is a big deal. Like I want to know who I'm giving money to and that it's actually being used for, for the things that they're saying it's being used for. So I spent a lot of time thinking about who I was going to work with and, and didn't know of any organizations. And there was one that I kept reaching out to and never getting a response. And then finally, uh, I like went to bed one night and like wrote by my bed and literally like prayed, okay, help me find this organization I need to support. So funny enough, I wake up the next day, do my first Mm -hmm, Google mm -hmm. search and I find Cindy Blackstock. And if you've ever met this woman, she is the epitome of what indigenous values are, things like integrity, honesty, like this woman that has spent the last 13 years um, fighting the Canadian government in court for the rights of First Nations children. She's a lawyer and she is the ED of this organization. And she is amazing and I couldn't be happier to support this this cause and everything that they try to do um what in terms of kids that go into care because most Canadians um don't know I mean or maybe they do that kids in care are the the statistics show that it's it's a mostly Indigenous children that are in in custody at such young ages, um, that their healthcare is affected. And also, so the facet that we support with 10% of our donations is called Shannon's dream. And, um, that is about a young woman who went to a school off of her reservation, realizing how nice this school was versus her school and spent the rest of her life trying to fight this cause. And uh, sadly she passed away, um, at the young age of 15, and then an MP from Ottawa, as well as some young people from her reservation, um, they still fight for this cause and for Shannon's dream. So her, her reservation now has a school because of all of her efforts. Uh, and many schools across this country still need to be um, repaired and up to par or rebuilt in order so that these First Nations kids that go to these schools can feel um, good about the places they're going because we all know. Like, I was, I often thought she was in a portable, I think, for their entire school career in this cold, cold part of Canada. And there was um, mold and all kinds of da- mm. damage. And it was just, it, I can only imagine who would want to learn in like, if you're not going to a place that feels like an, and her whole motto was safe and comfy schools for first nations kids. Right. All and right. that's literally what it is. And that's just basic. We're not even talking about, um, some of these schools, not having adequate computers and libraries and extracurricular activities. Like I walked into my, one of my kids schools last year and in the office, there was like a lineup of computer boxes and that weren't even being used. And I'm thinking, okay, this is happening in Niagara. We have all these extra stuff, but I know that there's kids that are going to school, um, on reservations in this country that are like, have one, two computers in their school for, for 200 kids. Like it's crazy. And wow. when we talk about the, um, the lack of funding, it happens. They say it's, a th- uh, according to research it's a 30 to 50% funding gap per student so in some cases that's up to like $14,000 a year per student and in other cases it's like 4,000 which is this difference that kids that go to school on reservation versus kids that go off school so wow. that That finding her organization and being able to support that was amazing. Then I knew, okay, now it's time to build the brand and focus on that. So, and I talk a lot about that portion because um, if any entrepreneurs are listening, I highly recommend listening to anything. Trust me, they're listening. (laughs) They're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Anything by Simon Sinek. Because when I knew my... My why, like the reason Cheekbone Beauty exists is to enhance, empower the lives of Indigenous youth. We use lipstick as a platform to do that. But that is our why. That is our main goal. And every business decision here going forward, I always ask myself, how will this empower an Indigenous youth? So, so it makes well- it makes everything A lot easier when you, as soon as you figure out why you exist, it makes your job as a founder, um, CEO or whatever role you have in it as the founder, a lot easier.
2: So this is a, this is an interesting point. I used to run an organization um, that we had a question that we asked also with any major decisions was, is this a Zag? In other words, was this unique and different into the marketplace? It was a restaurant chain. And so we were forced to be innovative. So I'm curious as to, can you give me some example one even just that said, OK, this is a decision we made recently that connected because or was made because I asked myself that question.
1: Well, even even just being on this podcast, right, because right. as a founder, um, your time is so valuable, especially in these startup phases, Um because you're doing everything. You don't have a choice. You have no money. So you have to do everything. (laughs) So I've discovered now I get asked to do a lot of things. Um, uh, and I will ask myself that question first now before I do it. And I won't do it if it doesn't impact, uh, if it won't have an impact. And the reason I'm talking to you is because I know there's a lot of young indigenous kids out there that want to be entrepreneurs.
2: Love it. Thank you for that. So, um, Let's talk about your business, and and I had this on my – when I was reading your bio – um, uh, about about the U.S. and Australia. So let's talk about the fundamentals. If we could, we could just get into the the, the bare functionality of your business and how it works. How do you how do you want uh, uh, market yourself in Australia? Let's call it. Let's let's go that far. And uh, how do you ultimately get your products to Australia? Because most people are scared to get outside of the borders of their own province, let alone their own country. You've been at your business. For quite a you know short amount of time, yet you're now exporting to the U.S. and Australia. So, what are some uh, what are some some strategies that you've adopted with your business that uh, that our audience would love to hear?
1: So, we actually probably sent more stuff to the U.K. Um, than Australia now. <laughs> yeah. Australia is really expensive, and there's been a few orders that have gone there, but it's like it's fifty dollars, and the the customer's paying for that. So, and the reason I decided to open it up to um, most, almost all of the globe not all of it but a lot of it from the beginning was I listened I went to um, an export conference and someone basically just said why not right mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was yeah. and I thought about it I'm like <laughs> I, would, have, yeah. I have no reason why I wouldn't and also if I wanted to be a global brand, then I better just start by being a global brand ultimately. And, I, and I said, if the people want to buy it, let them buy it and, and we'll work with them and, and help them getting it into their country. Uh, and Indigenous people um, in Canada, sometimes if we don't look outside of our own circles, we don't realize that any country that has been colonized has an Indigenous community that has suffered the effects of colonization. And when I went into this understanding that, I know that we have a mutual understanding and feeling and this happens amongst so many people in any Indigenous community and you see them when you're traveling or when you're out and when I was just recently in Arizona with my family this summer Mm -hmm. and when I see another Indigenous person, it's this ultimate it's like a a heart to heart connection that happens immediately. Mm. Uh, And it's super interesting. It's super fascinating. It's happened my entire life, even prior to my really um, diving into my culture and getting further understanding of that. Cause it um, even in my late twenties, early thirties, I'd been traveling and you, see other indigenous people and you you just feel this thing that i don't understand i don't even know how to describe it but it's i think people with um different cultures get it like my husband is italian and i know that when he sees other italian people there's this automatic thing that happens to them too so i don't know right so i think it's culturally i think it's because we've all experienced so when i knew that i thought why not open this up just to sell it everywhere um Mm -hmm. and believe it or not like we're now almost at 50% of our business comes from the United States.
2: Wonderful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So how do you ship there? Is it just a matter of Shopify? Canada uh... post
1: using Shopify. Yeah. It's even, even, even during the trials right now with the, the strike, I haven't, there's, there's been a slight delay, but it's not as bad as actually the media is portraying it out to be. Cause I'll, I sent a a package to somebody in Halifax last week and she's like, I got it the next day. And I'm like, wow. Wow. I think wow. that was an accident but I don't know how that happened. but anyway so we're if we're not letting any of that hold us back as a business right now we're just putting the orders out and shipping them and everyone seems to be getting them and le- I mean in some remote reservations I notice that it does take a little bit longer. Um, takes two days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it takes the yeah. extra day <laughs> instead of the one, but yeah. no, it's, that's how we've been doing everything and Shopify, like, come on, this, the, the Shopify is incredible. It's absolutely um, the best. Like I just love the platform. It's made my job not understanding anything to do when it comes to technology or it, as you can see, my husband had to set up the Skype for me. So I have that challenge. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So Shopify has, Made my life as an entrepreneur so easy. Uh,
2: Yeah, that's wonderful.
1: Um, So is
2: your business purely online or do you have a retail distribution also?
1: So we started entering the boutique retail realm last year. So I love it. So no, and that was, it's been because everything is a learning experience and of discovering if, if that was the push we wanted. And then we uh, discovered that Sephora does an accelerator program. So wow. Yeah. So we've the, the, our
2: our sort of for our of, audience. I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, Jen. For our audience who doesn't know who Sephora is, yeah. can you?
1: <laughs>
3: sorry.
2: mainly probably the guys. They're so. <laughs> like
1: a le- they're the leader in in a beauty re- in the beauty retail industry. So they are a company that decided their model was to take all beauty brands without sort of favoring one over the other. It's like a, a, a mall for makeup or skin yes. and skincare and anything yeah. to do with beauty, actually. Yeah. So, um, they were founded in, I think Spain mm-hmm. or no, Paris, Paris, Okay. Paris. Um, yeah, I hope they're yeah. not listening cause I don't know. <laughs> Just, so uh, anyway, they're good at what they do. I got two daughters. <laughs> I got two daughters. So I know all
2: about Sephora. Oh yes, so, yes yeah. you do. But now I'm going to uh, tell my daughters about cheekbone also, yeah, which is cool.
1: Absolutely.
2: So, so, so they have an accelerator, sorry to in interrupt.
1: Accelerator program. And when yep. I discovered that at the beginning of last year I made my entire 2018 about trying to figure out how to get involved and do that. So, great news, we met with them last week as well. I have no idea if we're in yet. They picked 12 women from around the globe, so the competition is fierce, but that's why I held back on on the boutique scene for a while because I wanted to see where this is going to sure. go because they are a global company and mm-hmm. Stores globally already, and to ha- to be able to work with uh, their brand and have their team of merchandisers, marketing team, help us navigate the beauty industry, which I have no experience in. I will add um, would be extremely helpful.
2: So, so, why why do you think? And 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 you know, I embrace competitors working together, but. I would really love your answer. Why do you think Sephora does an accelerator to help potential competitors get into their space?
1: Oh, because they're brilliant. Think about it. They're they're they any startup that's new and innovative in the beauty industry. They're going to be there first to market to see who it is and what they're doing. Right? Mm-hmm. That it's brilliant from their end. Um, but as somebody who completely understands. I created a business that's not innovative in any shape or form, unless giving back. I mean, I guess giving back is a new kind of innovation, right? And I know and realize that I don't have a product that is revolutionary, so to speak in the beauty industry. I'm just selling another lipstick, great quality made in Canada, not tested on animals, vegan, free of all the bad stuff that's in cosmetics, but it's not revolutionary. So I was well aware of that. My edge is tapping into a community that the beauty industry has never tapped into. So the value that I bring is the audience that I've created. We now have almost 20,000 followers on Instagram in this short period of time that we all organically, that was organically built. We have 7,000 people that read our stories and follow those every single day. Uh, and this is a community of Indigenous people that want an Indigenous beauty brand in there, in, in the store like Sephora.
2: Um, so I, that's an interesting segue you just made because I, I wanted to touch on that. Um, I would make the hypothesis, the assumption that the majority of your customers right now are from the indigenous uh, um, communities. But are you seeing that that is starting to 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 shift a bit to a broader audience that is non-indigenous who are gravitating towards uh, the message in the in the community and the understanding.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, we have always had a real mix, um, but obviously I think the our, the our predominant customer is an Indigenous person at this time, but yes. the, the mix is there. And then I see it what, happening whenever I get to do a speaking engagement. So I did something for an accounting firm um, at the Globe and Mail building two weeks ago and this is an audience of about 300 women from in business in Toronto whether it be CEOs of companies or head of marketing teams whatever it was called a women for women day um, and they invited to me as one of the panelists and after that it's an entire audience of non-indigenous people and the emails and the conversations and the support I had from that presentation was I'm going it tear up right now because I was just I was so moved by all of these women and what they wanted to do. One of them is good friends with the founder of Bite Beauty, which is another Canadian cosmetics brand. I had lunch with the founder the week after like she set that up. Um, wow. Another woman is the friend of the former CEO of Sephora. (laughs) So how can we help you when you have this meeting with them? So um, and all kinds of women from all different sectors, what can they do to help that we're all on indigenous? And it just it overwhelmed me because when you see that, yes, yes, Canada wants Mm -hmm. this, women want this, they want to support support indigenous people
2: they do i really am seeing that with the since i started this podcast with the great team from startup canada i don't do it all by myself that's for sure but i've seen the dialogue one i've become much more knowledgeable and appreciative and therefore respectful because of that knowledge um, but also i think that the, the dialogue in itself generally is becoming much more public and much more vocal which is great because of more uh, of more and more people being willing to listen and to learn, so um, I think that's I, I think that that's that's part of why Canada is starting to embrace more and more of that. And so, here's a question on the other side: Are more and more of Indigenous people starting to see that also? What what I'm seeing. <laughs>
1: I'm not, I can't answer that for anyone else. I know for me, I see it and feel it, but I know there's still, so this is the thing, like I often, you know, because of the communities and things that I follow on social media, you do, I still get the sense of deep pain in a lot of situations and posts and comments. So there's that there. And they, I think Canadians, if they realize that this is still a healing journey for so many Indigenous people, so that when you're dealing with them, that you'll get that, um, we're all on a different spectrum of healing. So I look at everything the way that I look at everything, which is totally different from the way some people look at it. I, I understand that I have a role now as an educator um, right? and I feel that that's okay. Whereas some indigenous people are sick and tired of educating non-indigenous people. However, I just started this journey for them. They might've been doing this for 15, 20 years, 10 years. And it's exhausting sometimes. I feel it sometimes in conversations, you know, even friends that still make kind of comments that you're like, Oh, you just don't get it. But then I stop and I realize that they just don't get it. And it's not their fault either. right? Right. Like I'm, I'm a super empathetic person, which, which really, helps or otherwise I think I'd be super angry all the time but that did (laughs) that's part of my healing and sobriety as well I used to be a really angry angry woman but now I get that we just we only know what we know Right. We, we can't know anything else. And, and uh, if we want someone to know something, we have to tell them. We can't beat yeah. around the bush. I think communication is so important. If someone offends you, let them know personally. Don't air it yes. out on social media. Yeah, right? yes. yeah no, it's right. The, Call that person, reach out to them. You can find anyone's email in this day and age or, and and call them and let them know that they've offended you personally. And I think, or DM them, you don't have to do it on the public platform. Right. Uh, Right. And I just think there's a, a new way of doing things. And if we really dig deep in ourselves, someone will respond to love far greater than they're ever, <laughs> ever going to respond to hate. We know that. We know, we
2: that. know that. We yeah. know that. That's right. That's what makes the world really come together versus, uh, of course, lots of examples where hate just tends to do the opposite.
1: Oh, hate is like fuel for more hate and more, um, more dysfunction. Like it really is the fuel for that. So we have Mm. to like, I, it's two opposing forces, right. And you got to pick which, which fight you want to have. And that doesn't mean like so many times I have this conversation with people. I said, we need to get to a spot where we can sit around a table with someone that you totally disagree with on a matter and you can still love and respect that person. You totally don't have to agree with them at all. But right. you can still sit there, eat a meal and respect one another. Like that is to me, that's ultimate love right there.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. Jen, I got two more questions for you. The last one's a short answer, I believe <laughs> you're going to tell me or not, but the, this one is, uh, has to do with stories and you, you mentioned about stories and, you know, in the content that you're delivering and the people who are in your Instagram, uh, feed and, and so on. How would you, how would you advise A business that is up and coming, maybe a year behind you, you're still relatively young, but so, so impactful so quickly uh, as to how to involve storytelling in the, the branding of their organization
1: it's super, super important. I think it's how we as humans connect with one another is always by our stories. And ultimately, it's just being I, I know this is so overused, but it's the authenticity of it. It has to be real. Um, people have wondered, they're like, how has cheekbone gotten this successful in such a short period of time? And I, and I literally it's woke up that night, had that dream and decided I was going to be vulnerable and real for for the first time in my life. Um, and, and I shouldn't say that I've always been that way with my family, but maybe in the public setting, not so much. So I really just took that and ran with it. And I can not describe to you how, how, how big a part of being vulnerable has been for my healing journey. Cause so many, it's been, it gives you fuel to go and it helps you connect to other human beings on a level that you'll, you'll never get unless you share your heart with them.
2: Wow. I'm um, I'm going through separation right now from my ex-wife, who was my wife, and vulnerability, being vulnerable in this change in my life is something that I've, I am discovering that I need to do as much as I don't want to do it. But as part of the healing, uh, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so happy you've said that because I think mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, we do all have personal lives that connect with our professional lives and uh, yeah. and we need to be vulnerable in them as well as, as well as being it professionally so uh, thank you so, so much for 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 doing that and by the way you said you're getting teary I wish more guys would get teary <laughs> <laughs> it's, harder. <laughs> yeah, it's harder Jen Harper with Jen with two ends um, how um, how do we get a hold of you uh, personally, first of all, and second of all, how do we find Cheek Bone Beauty so that my daughters can go check it out because I'm going to email them as soon as we're done.
1: So cheekbonebeauty.ca is the online store and our website. And then you can get a hold of me at Jen at cheekbonebeauty.ca. If anyone has any questions, I'm always um, available as much as I can to answer them and help you in any way, shape or form. Um, This is, you know, being an entrepreneur is not easy. It's really, really difficult and it can be very lonely. So Mm. I encourage everyone to get involved in any networks in your local communities, the Chamber of Commerce in your in your regions or towns, um, and connect with entrepreneurs and use Startup Canada as your community. Ah. Because they're so amazing; they're incredible. I yes. cannot tell you. My first met them at Powell Pitch in Ottawa, and. Yes it's been nothing but a, the most wonderful experience
2: you know what's kind of cool what you just said there you hang out with startup canada uh, i remember when i met them so it's so cool you didn't yeah. say you didn't say the organization you said them so you personal you have a personal yeah. connection to the yeah. startup canada family so cool jen uh, it's been a real honor it really has thank you for taking us on a deep journey that is uh, has got great light attached to it and great discovery and great. Uh, reconciliation, and and uh, I'm going to challenge you to not stop because it's important work that you're doing. Thank you today, so much.
1: Today I'm not stopping. Tomorrow morning <laughs> might be different, but today I'm
2: not. Yeah, but you know the saying: "Tomorrow never comes." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always about today. You keep on happening, my friend. Thank you okay. so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode.
3: Hi, this is Carolyn Mibel, founder and president of the International Black Economic Forum, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett.
2: Well, you are a true entrepreneur, just in 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 taking that crowded space and saying, you know what, there is still a need, and uh, yeah, that's that's very very brilliant. So let's kind of let's kind of dive into you know the challenges that uh, that that you're trying to
3: um, face head on with regards to entrepreneur. In the, in the black community. The thing is I. Still- I don't know how many black people you have around you, but there's a, there's a lot of us full of talent, uh, full of everything, but we are not thriving as we would like to, because, you know, uh, not being recognized for uh, the greatness uh, that right. we have and uh, that we are growing up in, uh, in in Canada. So, and there's a lot of sadness, I'm saying it like that, there's a lot of sadness uh, attached to that. So one of the, um, one of the things that we, have, we why we choose to create the program was to say that there's, we know there's a lot of talents, a lot of uh, bright people within our community that is that are um, contributing within our the society, uh, the society and, and big corporation and everything. So we wanted to get all those people together um, to see how we could uh, together how we could. Um, Reflect on yes. the issues of black eco- uh, black people's economic state and yes. specific uh, specific issues, and from that to see what are those the solutions uh, that we could create that will be catered to our need and that will help the, our communities to prosper. Because that's what we are looking uh, we, we are looking to build uh, a prosperous, thriving community uh, within the, the the big black uh, families. Oh, <laughs> you know, yes. so so that's one of the big, uh, the big idea beyond um, beyond uh, the, the forum is to get black people together. And not only Canadian black, uh, but uh, black all around the, the world. That Because right. we, we believe that we can learn from people that are doing great things in Africa, yes. uh, uh, in Haiti and elsewhere. You know, McKinsey is saying that the next five uh, emerging markets, Will come from Africa, so yes. there's a lot of great things be, being done there that we in Canada we could uh, be inspired by. So how to? Get, so we are working to get as much as people together to to reflect to um, on specific uh, issues to come up with specific and targeted uh, answer to, for us to drive together. This is a fascinating topic.